Big Red Monday and Bigley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. It is game night tonight. Cardinals back at it. Week 14, hosting the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football. Cardinals' second appearance on uh, Monday Night Football. And it's been a uh, long time since that happened, uh, from what I remember. Did you, did you miss that kind of stuff when you were away? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you done, Jarrett? Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's been weird. One of the things that has been consistent throughout this year for the Cardinals mm-hmm. is over weekends before games, the amount of damning material quotes, anonymous quotes from people around the league about their quarterback, their coach, now their general managers in the mix, that's been a constant. Right. Basically going back to Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when the Super Bowl happened, it was Chris Mortensen who put the reports out about finger pointing and blah blah blah, and that this started this whole ball, this whole stone right. rolling out of control downhill for the Cardinals. Right. We've got another sampling of it. Uh, Jordan Schultz, who wrote on thescore.com, uh, the next five weeks will answer a lot of coaching questions. And he goes through the futures of Nathaniel Hackett, Dennis Allen, Brandon Staley, and he gets to Cliff Kingsbury. And he writes this. The Cardinals' disappointing season is on Kingsbury. I'm honestly not sure who'd succeed in his position given the slew of issues inside that building. Let's start at the top with owner Michael Bidwell and general manager Steve Keim. The complete absence of accountability, especially from Keim, is appalling. His lack of professionalism permeates the entire franchise. A longtime personnel staffer offered a quote. And the quote is... Kime's a fan. He's been able to keep that job because of his relationship with Bidwell, but he's not a football savant or football mind. He's not a leader. Uh, The snippet uh, concludes with Kingsbury reports to Kime, who gave quarterback Kyler Murray a $240 million contract extension in July. Murray is enormously talented, but there are clearly growing pains that he, like many quarterbacks, must overcome. Kingsbury is a good offensive mind, stuck in a no-win situation for an owner and GM who haven't a clue how to properly run a professional organization. Wow, yeah, that's Yikes. that's quite something. That's pretty uh, heavy-handed, and there's been a, there's been some of that over the last few months. Uh, anonymous people in the NFL criticizing the the structure and the hierarchy of the Arizona Cardinals, and and I think what it all gets down to is people look at the job security that has been given to Steve Keim and they say, okay, how can that be healthy? Where is the accountability for him? And it's led a lot of people to wonder whether or not Michael Bidwell's priorities have become, as I've said before, more relational than competitive in nature. And that, if that is the case, that's, that's not a good deal for the, for the future, the immediate present and future of this franchise. Because Steve Keim has shown his way to, to trade him, to, to, to make effective enough trades to keep the Cardinals on the margins of being good, but his drafts have been very, very bad, and it's created no depth here, and it's, it's left the Cardinals susceptible to injury, and, and, and so to reward that, it really makes people wonder, okay, what exactly is going on? How important is winning actually in Arizona? And that is something that used to follow around the Cardinals when Bill Bidwill was in charge of the team. So it's been, I, I, listen, I, I hear from Cardinal fans and this is the thing that I think freaks them out the most. It's the, I, I thought we had changed 
mentality kind of question that's surrounding this organization. Um, a lot of people reacted negatively to Jordan Schultz using anonymous sources. You're not going to get you're not going to get people to talk on record about fellow owners and fellow things mm-hmm. in, in, in the NFL. That's not going to happen. The question becomes, do you trust Jordan Schultz as a reporter to report the actual it, 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 that this stuff is actually real? Yeah, that, there, that this is actually happening. And my answer to that question is, I don't know. Same. Same. I don't know if I do. I'll flat out say no. It, I don't trust him. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of things that have been thrown out there by, by mm-hmm. him, and you know, not all of them have not stuck. All them, not all of them st- have and, stuck. And yeah. this very well could be, hey, I found somebody with an axe to grind mm-hmm. against Steve Kime. Uh-huh. So this is, you know, this is what I'm going to say about him publicly, yeah. and I don't have any culpability or accountability because my name's not on. Well, it. listen, the idea that Steve Kime, I mean, again, the, the fact that some of that criticism seems a little bit over the top for a guy who's been in the NFL his whole life, right? Yeah, and it, with this organization for yeah. such a long time, and a guy, and again, um, you know, the current status of the Arizona Cardinals is not good. I think there should be a lot of question marks mm-hmm. with the direction of this team mm-hmm. right now, but Steve Kime has built. NFC championship caliber teams. You know, 2015, they were there. Now, mm-hmm. not a lot of general managers with his track record of winning one playoff game in a decade, you know, hiring three coaches. Mm-hmm. That's not a very common, uh, you know, resume. No. Normally, it's. It, you don't a, get that much time. No. And. You know, there's people speculating, too, and there's all this finger-pointing going on with what's happening with the Cardinals. Is it Murray? Is it Kime? Is it Kingsbury? And some people suggest, well, Michael Bidwell's never going to fire Steve Kime, but he could fire Cliff Kingsbury, and they're tied to Kyler Murray with that contract mm-hmm. for the next three to five years or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, are you going to empower Steve Kime to hire a fourth head coach? That never happens. Yeah, right, exactly. And, and I think I think that's kind of the hang-up here. And I think when you when you start to unpack this, I, I, I do believe – and again, if you've got the right GM, the, the Steelers have done this for years. Stable franchises have done this for years. If you've got the right guy, then you, you should stick with him through the vagaries and the ups and downs and that kind of thing. I, I just think if you look at Steve Kime's drafting record and, and – the development of young talent here it is something is off something is amiss they're not doing yes. it at an NFL level and and so i think they've got to be cognizant of that and it's just it's just the fear is is that michael just does michael wants to be involved to the point where he's fearful that if you bring in a Sean Payton it, Sean Payton's going to have guardrails around him mm-hmm. he's not going to be he's not going to be watching film with the owner i'll guarantee you that and and so that that really becomes to me the central question is here is there's a lot of evidence that the Cardinals culture needs an overhaul. There's too many there's too many ex players yapping. There's too much there's just too much weirdness. There's not a lot of transparency. Cliff Kingsbury flat out lied to an ESPN reporter about the Sean Coogler situation. Mm-hmm. And, and so th- these are all things that I think speak to a culture that needs an overhaul. And and but I also believe that these last few weeks this is going to be this is going to be interesting because if this football team turtles and they end up say say they end up 4 and 13 on the season Oof. that's going to look real bad 
that's going to look so bad that I don't know if an owner could come out and say, we're going to stick with these guys because those darn injuries, they just took us down this yeah, year. I don't, I don't think, think fans are going to be having that. I don't think you can do that at 4-13. and 13, no. And that's what makes these last five weeks interesting. They win two or three games, find a way to do yeah. that, then it then it makes it somewhat fuzzy. Right. But I, one thing I want to say before we move on from mm-hmm. this, too, and you mentioned, and this is definitely the reputation that Steve Kime has, a general, has as a general manager. Draft, not so good. Free agent signings, eh. Trades, excellent. Mm-hmm. But if you look at three recent trades that he's made for this season, you can poke holes in all of them. Going back to draft night, Hollywood Brown, we were in favor of it, and I think Hollywood Brown has been good. But based on the results that they've had with Hollywood Brown, you know, giving up that first round pick who turned into Tyler Linderbaum, who's going to be a, you know, a cornerstone for that Ravens offensive line for a while, you can certainly poke holes in that. They gave up draft capital for Drayvon, Trayvon Mullen. He's done nothing. Mm-hmm. They gave up draft capital for Robbie Anderson, who's done nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, this year's trades have not no not come out well. No, I agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that. So uh, it's it's going to be really interesting to see where this thing goes because, listen, I, I do think there's bit blame to be shared across the board. But uh, but again, I, I think to absolve Cliff Kingsbury is is also foolhardy, and and because I don't think this his offense has a place in the NFL game. His offense will work in college. It's not going to work in the NFL. Yeah. Coming up next, uh, who are these guys in the purple and orange uniforms? They don't who look like the Phoenix. Who are these people? Uh, we'll get into that next as the Phoenix Sun struggles continue. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Akshin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, we continue the Monday edition of Bickley Murata Mornings. Bick, back in the fold after vacation, all rested, relaxed, oh, yeah. recharged. Oh, yeah. All that stuff. Jumping right in with a late night of work at a Monday night football. We'll have more on the uh, Cardinals-Patriots game coming up as well. Uh, Suns have lost four straight, um, and it's it's a weird four-game losing streak as well. Um Go back to last week when they absolutely got manhandled by the, the Boston Celtics. Celtics are a really good basketball team. Yeah. The Pelicans are playing with a confidence that I haven't seen before, and they're not even at full strength. They didn't have Brandon Ingram and Herb, Herb Jones. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, of course, the Suns played without Devin Booker on Sunday. But one of the things that I can't get past, Bick, is just the, the absence of defense that we've seen. The Suns had given up only one a game before the Houston game. Only one time did they give up 120 or more points, and that was in that wild shootout in Salt Lake City. Uh, that was a great game, by the way. But Utah was just dialed in and scored over 130. Suns have given up 120 or more points in four straight games. Yeah, and that is very uncharacteristic from what we've seen over the last right. two plus seasons. Going into that Boston game, I forgot what what Suns player mentioned about how we're running kind of thin here. I, I wonder if James Jones owes it to this basketball team to bring in some reinforcements because I, there was not a lot of belief on the floor in that game against Boston. In that game against Boston. Uh, I, I mean, the previous loss against Dallas, they were dominated in that game to the point where, you know, the topic became, do, do the Suns have a Luka 
problem? Do they have an issue with this guy? Is this their worst potential matchup? Um, not emotionally. I'm talking about schematically. Yeah. And then that Boston game was such a trouncing that I came out of that game, especially the way the Celtics were just clowning on the Suns at the end, riling up their own fans. And I, I thought I thought the days of big, chunky numbers of the opposing fans were gone. That's but what was Boston's so alarming. Yeah. Boston, yeah. Oh. they were loud. And, and Tim Ring and I talked about this last week, that there was a stretch, and, and tonight is the conclusion of that stretch, where you have three teams from Boston playing games in Phoenix. So tonight, Patriots-Cardinals is the <laughs> rubber right. game, by the way. That's right. But if you were a Boston wow. sports fan probably named Sully, you could have come to Phoenix and seen the Celtics, Bruins, and Patriots play in like a five-day span. Wow. Yeah. So oh, I think, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's, that, that's interesting. I that, hope they all did come, and I hope they're experiencing this miserable weather. Yeah. That'll teach yeah, them. it was fun waking up in 40-degree uh, rain this morning. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah, so uh, so to me, uh, it's what, what's your level of concern with what is happening here? Because the one thing that, that I, I, I came out of that Boston game, and I thought to myself, when you start adding up these incidents, the Patrick Beverly, DeAndre Ayton, uh, DA uh, continuing the up-and-down travails, um, that I is kind of DA was fantastic yesterday. He, yes, he, and and that's that's what was so confusing to me about yesterday is that they actually they actually fought. They actually had uh-huh. real fight to them yesterday, and it's like wow, it, where where has that element been? And I don't know. I, I really don't know inside internally what is the effect of of having a guy like DA now who's do, doing the yo yo seesaw thing, and, and and what it's doing to the team and the chemistry and the belief and 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 I came out of that Boston game thinking, oh, this basketball team might actually have a Chris Paul issue, and because he physically he looks okay, but the team just it's not the same, and so I. I I'm I'm at a loss for what we have in front of us right now. Yeah, I mean it looks like a a thinned out roster. Uh, you don't have Cam Johnson, obviously. Devin Booker not being there was a factor yesterday, and mm-hmm. that's what complicates things for me. Is if you would have told me the Suns would take New Orleans and Zion going off and. They would take them to overtime yesterday without Devin Booker. I'd say that's probably a good thing. Yeah, they had opportunities to to win that game. They did show some fight yesterday, which they hadn't really shown in the loss to Dallas, and, and then it got worse against Boston. Um, I, I, don't, I think when you go through a stretch, this is this is where we're at in, in Phoenix. Though, is again going into the season, kind of the the consensus was. Don't put so much stock in regular season games. Mm-hmm. You go out there, you get labeled the try-hard team that won 64 games, and you bow out in the second round of the playoffs. What do you have to show for it? Mm-hmm. Then on the flip side of it, now the Suns are in a four-game losing streak. And it's not that they're not putting you know emphasis on winning these games. They're, they're getting beaten these games. But now it's doom and gloom for a lot of people, too. Mm-hmm. I get it. They've got a trade chip. What they do with Jay Crowder, there's a lot of people that are frustrated with the inactivity. And a lot of people frustrated with the inactivity of James Jones, not just in the now, but you know, look at the roster and the key contributors at the end of the NBA Finals in 2021 and look at the roster now. Normally, when you fall short of the playoffs or of a championship and the Suns were up 2 nothing in that series, mm-hmm. that is usually the impetus to say... we. 
we got to beef this up. Yeah. We, we have to add a key contributor, maybe not a starter, but a top seven rotation guy who's going to make a change. And the Suns really have not done that. No. And, and this is, it's problematic because they do not have that reliable, consistent number two score. They might have it on a night when DA's feeling it. They might have it on a night when McHale's feeling it. But, but there's just not that established. We know that this guy, nine games out of 10, is going to be instant that offense. Is, that is for true. And you're, that's, you're right because sometimes it's DA. Sometimes it's Bridges. Sometimes it's Payne. Yeah. Cam Johnson, when he's healthy, mm-hmm. sometimes it's that guy. Sometimes it's Chris Paul. You just don't know where that, that secondary offense is coming from. Which and that, also, is, that has been a problem. Also means that when Devin Booker is injured or when he's not feeling it, not having a good night, yeah, then it's, there's, there's no one. Right, exactly. Well, and Although that, I thought Bridges was great, especially in the first half yesterday. Yeah. I mentioned DA. You get a little bit more offense from Chris Paul yesterday. Maybe you have a different outcome on him. I'm not pitting the game on Chris Paul. Obviously, um, no. The fact that they took the the fact that they took the Pelicans to overtime, I think perceptually that's a victory for a team that I I, I thought was really reeling and and really in a bad place after Friday night. Because what, what whatever you think about what Zion Williamson did, I think most basketball people were like mocking the Suns for whining about it. Yes, because I just I saw a lot of stuff. Well, look at what the Suns did last year during the playoffs. Look at what Chris Paul. So I I'm not sure it was received because what Zion did do it, it did break the code as you and I discussed earlier. You're not supposed to throw down a dunk at the end of a game that you've already won to rub an opponent's face in it. Yeah, but it's it's not what you're supposed to do. But at the same time, as I said earlier, it was such a spectacular dunk attempt that to me it mitigated it. If he would have went up and just did a two handed jam. That pad kind of thing, I'd have gone. All right, that is ridiculous. But to give the fans something that special, I kind of like. Okay, you know, I'm gonna. And, and the way he handled it afterwards, like, yeah, my bad. I got, I got caught up in this. So I thought, I thought the way it all ended was, was okay. You know, that's it's something to talk about. But the bigger issue here is this basketball team. Yeah, and and where they're going. And you're right about this. After the run to the NBA Finals, James Jones added Javale McGee, and and he ended Landry Shamit. There were moves, they were very typical kind of moves. And and what we're seeing now, though, is not. And I remember when Devin Booker was going off, this was just a week ago, I remember going, you know what? Maybe we're wrong about James Jones. Maybe he's got just excellent vision at what this basketball team has that he doesn't need to add stuff if guys like Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges are going to continue to get better. But then Devin Booker suddenly hits a, a, a spell where he doesn't look like an MVP candidate the last three games, and now it's 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 yeah. it's kind of wobbly. Yeah. Well, it, it use the example. There's been a lot of comparisons with the with the Celtics. Um, you know what they've done in in losing in the finals in six games. What did they do? They added Danilo Gallinari, who got hurt. They added Malcolm Brogdon. They added Blake Griffin. Those are those are impact guys. And, and the Suns. Over the past couple of years, you mentioned JaVale McGee, who was who was good here. But yeah. could, could you count on him to be consistent? No. Was he an impact player? Mostly no. Um, Josh Okogie's done some really good things recently. Um, they add Damian Lee, who's been, I think, tremendous so far in his role. But again, these are smaller roles. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't I, I have concerns. I, I will say that. I yeah, have, so I, do I. It's not a situation where you sit back and say everything's going to be okay. There's nothing to see here. This might be something to see. I was worried about the state of this roster 
before the season began, the Suns mitigated a lot of those concerns with just how how well they performed when Devin Booker was leading them. And now we're kind of back to looking at this roster going, is this enough? Mm-hmm. So and then there's a lot of people who who believe that, you know, James Jones has got a move in his back pocket and he's just we'll waiting see. it out. We'll yeah. see. Join Bud Light this Sunday for a Red Sea Road Rally as the Cardinals take on the Broncos. Enjoy great prizes, ticket giveaways, and food specials all game long at Philly Sports Bar, Warner Road, and the I-10. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for more information. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell will take us through the big stories of the day, the Rush Hour Reboot. Straight ahead. It's Pickley Murata mornings on this Monday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting, Arizona built for America's dreams. He is back, ladies and gentlemen. Dan Bickley, not fired. <laughs> yeah, somebody tweeted us today, uh, was Tim Ring fired? <laughs> Tremendous. Oh, that's funny. This is becoming the thing. Dan Bickley, was he fired? Sarah Cazell, was she fired? Tim Ring, was he fired? Nope. No, no, days no. Off. We're all still employed. Yeah. Uh, welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot, everyone. Every single day at 7.30, we get you through the top stories of the day. And ooh, there are so many to get through. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey! Woo! Fresh off his cut off. <laughs> Vince Murata. But are people still doing reboots? <laughs> oh! Okay. Wow. That feels like shade. Derek Carlin. The 49ers have one quarterback named Purdy and one quarterback who is Purdy. Hey. I think that was a good line. Cute. That, way, that, that line uh, is from a, a show that I started watching over the weekend, Reboot on Hulu. Highly yes. recommend it. Fantastic television. Is it, what is it about? Robots? It's about rebooting an old cheesy 90s sitcom, but the oh. behind the scenes with uh, Keegan Michael Key and Johnny Knoxville. And, yes. Yeah, it's really good. I think I saw a commercial for it. It's called Reboot, not Robot, Sarah. Yeah, but you reboot robots. And Do robot reboots? Yeah. All right. Radio shows. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Let's reboot you guys. How about that? Uh, for the first time in 15 days, we have the Arizona Cardinals. Feels like a really long time ago. It does. Long time ago. Uh, they've got the Patriots tonight on Monday Night Football. This is the Cardinals' second Monday Night appearance in three games. And they will be going up the absolute dynamo that is Bill Belichick. And I mean, when you talk NFL person, I just, listen to this. <laughs> like whatever he said, he said, so. Great, I'm asking about it. Thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait for more that from Bill so Belichick. Uh, that's him reacting to Vance Joseph, by the way, saying accurately that the Patriots offense operates like it's run by a defensive mind. He's not wrong. Mike Reese, who has covered the Patriots for ESPN for quite some time now, he joined Wolf and Luke last week and said that mobile quarterbacks are the Patriots' kryptonite. Quarterbacks who can run very much like Kyler um, have given them problems. And so, you know, the, the interesting part about it is when you look at their best performances, I mean, two of them against Zach Wilson, one of them against Sam Ellinger of the Colts, and those guys aren't starting right now. Justin Fields, remember that Monday night game? Mm-hmm. October 24th. If you were all watching out there, Justin Fields ran wild on him. So definitely, Ron, like to answer that one, mm-hmm. it's the quarterbacks who can run that have given them the most problems. Mm-hmm. We, thank you for that. We we know a quarterback who can run, don't we, here in Arizona? Yeah. Uh, how do you guys think the Cardinals should attack the Patriots tonight? With 
weapons. Well, oh, no, I, I yeah, listen, I, I do think I do think that that has been sort of uh, that has been attached to the New England Patriots. They have struggled with dual threat quarterbacks, so you would think that if there was a day that you were going to engage um, that element of the Cardinals' offense, this would be a good time to do it. Um, I, I do think it's very important for Kyler Murray to finish strong these next five games, no matter where the season kind of ends up, because he's going no place. That's true. Uh, yeah, run game's got to be it. Not n- not necessarily based solely on what Kyler Murray does. I think a continuation of what we saw from James Conner in the physical run game with that patchwork offensive line. That's where it's got to start tonight to open things up. Um, you know, you, you run to set up the pass. We haven't seen the passing game look what it's looked like in the past, so I, I, I definitely would lean on the run tonight. Mm-hmm. Well, I think most football fans know by now, or at least Cardinals fans know by now, that Cliff Kingsbury and Bill Belichick have a relationship. Kingsbury spent the first couple seasons of his brief NFL playing career under Bill Belichick. Here is Kingsbury on the challenges of facing the longtime NFL coach. The unexpected, you know, I think more than anything, it's... Um, you know he's going to have his ways to try to take away your best players and find mismatches and, and uh, then all the different personnel groups that he brings in and um, trying to locate who you're pointing at to target and run game and pass game all those things it's it's a constant um, you know chess match and he's usually one step ahead of everybody alright guys who is with his respective team longer Bill Belichick with the Patriots <laughs> or Cliff Kingsbury with the Cardinals. Ooh. Well, Belichick's got to stay to be reunited with Brady next year. Right. So there's that. <laughs> wow. That's a really good question. Um, I think... Belichick I think is 70. Bi- I think it's Bill. I'm going to vote Bill. I Yeah, I'm, I'm going to vote Bill. What, two more seasons? Three more seasons? Three more Three more years. Three more years. I mean, no three, days it's his, off. It's his choice. I mean, he's nobody's going to tell him to leave. Three more years of this? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like whatever he said, he said. So <laughs> whatever he said, he said. Great. Ask him about it. Ask him about it. Uh, let's quickly get to the Phoenix. I'm worried Vance Joseph fired up the Patriots offense, oh, man. man. Patriots are going to hang 70 on the Cardinals <laughs> oh. Wow, that would be amazing if mm. they were capable of doing that. I would I would look forward to seeing that. All right, let's quickly get to the Phoenix Suns. Vance Joseph fired up the Patriots offense by saying a fact. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. But we didn't like yeah, it. He said, he said. Uh, things were pretty chippy yeah, between the Suns and the Pelicans <laughs> in both of their games over the weekend. Uh, we saw that in their first round playoff series last year. It was no different over the weekend. Weekend. Um, it was a it was a nine point loss for the Suns, I believe, on Friday, mm-hmm. and it was it was closer. They needed overtime yesterday, uh, but they still lost by five. Here was a, the soundtrack from Pelicans fans at yesterday's game, and it looks like looks like what Phoenix is doing now. They're coming back in the zone, and it worked early. The zone worked early. Chris Paul sucks, says the Pelicans. Ingrates. Fan base. Ingrates. Ingrates. Okay, I wanted to know, I know that there were some moments between, you know, Chris Paul and Jose Alvarado and uh, some chippy moments, some moments where maybe he stuck the leg out, he put the elbow out, etc. Do you think Chris Paul deserved to be focused on by Pelicans fans the way he was? 
or were you caught off guard by? No, I wasn't caught off guard. Not after what I witnessed in last year's playoffs. I, I was no. not caught off guard yeah. at all with that. That You know how I reacted from being in that building. I was stunned at the lack of civility. And not just there, where we have become as sports fans. It, yeah. it, it, comfortable shouting, chanting obscenities in unison. That That is some place we never used to be yeah. as a society. Um, but the thing I think, Chris Paul, yeah, I remember at the end of last year's playoff series when Jose uh, Alvarado was like, yeah, at least he knows my name. And then there was that press conference yes. where Chris Paul acted like he had no clue who he was. See Alvarado right. said, was he referring to Chris Paul by name right. this weekend? No, I know. Um, no, it doesn't take you off guard at all. You know, is there a little bit of ingrate like, like Vic said? Yeah, I mean, people were making the argument yesterday. The NBA is not still in New Orleans if Chris Paul's presence is, is not there. But right. that's long forgotten. He didn't yeah. play for the Pelicans. He played for the Hornets. Different name, different color, different uniforms. The fact of the matter is, Chris Paul's not well-liked in New Orleans. He's not well-liked in L.A. among Clippers fans. He talks about how <laughs> special that place is to him. Yeah. Houston fans don't like him very much. I think the only place where he's still appreciated outside of Phoenix is Oklahoma City. That's a good point. So yeah. That's a real good point. It, it, it's kind of the, the path that he's the, I, I'm, I'm stunned at the amount of national haters for Chris Paul. Oh, yeah. And it's growing. Yeah. How did yeah. you feel about Chris Paul before he got to Phoenix? I, I never I never hated him to that level. No? I, I, no, I, I never did. Maybe. I liked him. Yeah, so yeah. did I. Yeah. There you go. We're all rebooted. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Thanks Sarah. Rush Hour reboot every morning at 7. <laughs> Show some civility, Gazelle. <laughs> Coming up next, we will talk uh, Patriots football. Are they fired up by Vance Joseph's comments? Mike Reese, ESPN reporter who covers the Patriots, will join us next. Pickley Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Red Monday and Bigley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Tonight, State Farm Stadium, Monday Night Football Cardinals making their second appearance on Monday night, hosting the New England Patriots in a rare matchup between those two teams. Here to give us the Patriots perspective, the man we on this show have dubbed the nicest man in sports media, Mike Reese, ESPN's uh, uh, New England Patriots reporter, joins us here on the Arizona Sports Light. Mike, how are you? Dan and Vince, I was just thinking, coming on, we have been doing this for a while, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Yeah. We have, and not always, I mean... Most of our visits have had nothing to do with the Cardinals. It's just been Patriots intrigue. That's great stuff. And I was going to ask you, what, what's up with the rain this morning? It was like, I didn't even realize it rains out here. And then I, I was reading up on it. It was like, you get like nine inches of rain per year, which is, I guess, not that much. But what I get, like the one rainy day that you have? Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 yeah it's been a little volatile the last couple of years here. And it's it's kind of kind of weird, man. So we apologize for that, Mike. Um, all right, let's get into this because we uh, we all know that Bill Belichick is a national treasure, never more so than when he's meeting with the media. We've been playing that great cut about um, him being asked about Vance Joseph's comments. Do you think the Patriots offense is going to be galvanized because of what Vance Joseph had to say? I love it. Oh, man. So I, I, I do. Um, I, and I, I know Vance a little bit. And so I, I don't think it was necessarily, you know, turning the knife as much as to be honest, guys. Knowing the truth. Yeah. I mean, those those remarks, if you sort of take um, an informal, I guess, poll of Patriots fans, you know, who normally I would say would be insulted by something like that. Right. What they're telling you is, well, he's he, he's speaking the truth. Like, I, I agree. 
you know, but I do think I, here's what I said. We were talking about it in our media workroom back in, in Massachusetts. And I said, if the Patriots win and they score some points, bring your popcorn to the post-game news conference for Belichick. Because I think that's when Bill would respond to it after the game, not before. Gotcha. Uh, Mike Reese, CSPN reporter for the uh, New England Patriots, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Um, you know, outside of maybe that uh, that little nudge that Vance Joseph's comments could have made to the offense, I mean, this is a big game for the Patriots. It's 6-6. Six and six. They're still in the AFC playoff picture, but they're coming off two straight losses. In, in your mind, how equipped are the Patriots to win a football game at this point, Mike? Oh, it depends which Patriots team we see. You know, it, it's hard. It's almost You almost forget two weeks ago, you know, Thanksgiving night, they threw for 382 yards and actually looked like a, a fairly functionable offense with Mac Jones. Um, but since, you know, the majority of the season offensively, they're just not getting it done. I, I wrote down some numbers here. They're last in the NFL in the red zone. 25th on third down, 28th in terms of total first downs, 25th in sacks taken per pass play, 25th in interception percentage, and they average more than four offensive penalties per game. So until they clean that up, guys, I mean, it's hard for me to to sit here and tell you, you know, the Patriots are going where they want to go. I I suppose it's always possible, right? Things have turned around. But until they get that going in the right direction, it's hard to imagine them making a run. It's been a bizarre season in Arizona, obviously, and and there's a fear that Cliff Kingsbury's offense has kind of been solved by by most NFL head coaches, if not all of them. Uh, And yet the Patriots, in their history, they've kind of struggled with a dual threat guy. I don't know how much of a dual threat guy Kyler is right now at at this point in time. What do you make of this matchup between the Cardinals' offense and a defensive mastermind like Bill Belichick? So I look at it through the, 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 the prism of look at the quarterbacks the Patriots have beaten this year and look at the quarterbacks they've lost to. And I'll give you the ones they've, they've lost to. Tua, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, Josh Allen. Those are some good quarterbacks. Some, some, some of those can really move, I would say, like Kyler. Then you look at who they've beaten, the quarterbacks. Mitch Trubisky. Jared Goff, uh, Jacoby Brissett, Zach Wilson twice, and Sam Ellinger. So to, to boil it down, guys, I would say if they beat Kyler and this offense, it probably would be the best quarterback they've beaten this season. Mike Reese from ESPN, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line as we preview uh, Cardinals-Patriots tonight on Monday Night Football. I want to stay on the quarterback position, Mike, but I want to focus it back on the Patriots. Mac Jones back as the starter. I think he's had a very marginal second year as starter in New England. And earlier in the year, as you well know, Bailey Zappi came in and gave them a lift. He, he started two games. They won two games. His numbers superior to Mac Jones. How much support is there uh, for, for Bailey Zappi to actually be the, the full-time starter yeah, among Patriots fans in New England? I think a lot of support just based on what you said. I mean, what they saw from, from Zappi were, were some of the greatest highlights for the team offensively this season. Some of that was situational in terms of the teams they were playing, uh, the Lions and, and the Browns, who were down at that time. And the Patriots really went basic offensively with Zappi, but he gave them a spark. 
and he was sort of like, I, I've compared it to when I was growing up in the 80s as like a basketball fan. Remember Vinny Johnson of the Detroit Pistons? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, he would, the microwave. The microwave. Right? He would come off the bench and he heated it up. And I think what they looked at was like, that's what, that's what he did. But if you put him in the starting lineup, you know, and, and it went over an extended period of time, I think you'd, you might see that sort of tail off, which we saw when he played in that third game against the Bears and he had a tough second half. So I think the fans see the small sample size to answer the question and they say, well, why not more? But I think the Patriots coaching staff has measured it out behind the scenes and they, they feel strongly that Mac's their guy. Given what Robert Kraft thinks about Tom Brady, given Tom's travails this year on and off the football field, do you buy into the speculation that maybe Tom comes back for a happier ending in Foxborough, or do you think that is just <laughs> never going to happen? Uh, I, I never, I never say never in this business, but I do think it's the longest of long shots. I've, I've sort of played out the hypothetical in my head, guys, and I've said, how would that look? What would it look like? And I think. It would have to start with Tom probably making the call to Robert Kraft and saying, hey, you know, what a story this would be. You know, could we make this happen? And then, you know, then it would be, well, how is that received by, you know, Bill Belichick? And I just when I piece it all together, I just I don't. I have trouble seeing it, but I guess what I've learned in this business is part (laughs) of what makes it so compelling is right. You right. just never know. All right. Well, with with Bill, how much longer do you think he's going? I, I, I can't help but think about his special relationship with State Farm Stadium in Glendale. He lost the most painful possible Super Bowl and a chance to be unbeaten. And he won that end that game against Seattle with a with a defensive scheme and a play that just so symbolized his preparedness and and how mm-hmm. good they can be in clutch moments. So there's a lot of history between the Patriots head coach and this building. What do you think about that and how long he's going to stretch it out? So I wrote about it today on ESPN. Uh, I actually wrote a letter, open letter to State Farm Stadium. So if you have a chance, check it out. And I sort of went back through the history and I even added that 2016 regular season opener, that Sunday night yeah, game, which right. I thought was an epic. That was epic, right, guys? With, with Jimmy with Garoppolo. Brady not there. Yeah. Yes, yes. So a lot of cool memories in that in the building for the Patriots. In terms of how long he coaches, you know, I look, I think we got to see how they finish out this season. I'm not suggesting that it's necessarily going to end after this season, um, but I, I want to see how they play. That's the first domino. And then I look at the all-time wins list, guys. Um, 347 is the record. Don Shula for all-time wins. And Bill is 20 wins away, if I have my math right. And so I've always measured out the math and said I I do believe that he'd want to try to get the record. So how many seasons would it take to catch Shula and still be effective, right, and still feel like you can do it? And so my thought was, you know, small, we're probably maybe on one hand now, anywhere between three to five, and then see where it goes. Mm. Mike, always a pleasure to have you on the show. We apologize for the weather, but yeah. uh, enjoy your, uh, enjoy <laughs> Sorry, your bro. stay here, and hopefully we can talk again soon. I appreciate you guys. Thanks as Thank always. You, Mike. Mike Reese, ESPN reporter for the Patriots. He joined us here on the Arizona Sports Line, previewing tonight's Monday night game, which you'll get more of in the second half of the show. That second half kicks off with, remember that thing called the Bickley Blast? Fire! Fire! <laughs> He's got a lot pent up, <laughs> He's, and he'll deliver it next. It's uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.